0: The all-new Chevy Colorado is made for more. Stacked with the latest in-vehicle technologies like a class-leading 11-inch diagonal center touchscreen and an extra-large wireless charging pad. Plus, it features wireless Apple CarPlay and Android Auto compatibility to make staying connected easy wherever your adventure takes you. Chevy Colorado, made for more. Learn more at chevrolet.com slash truck slash Colorado. Claims based on latest competitive data. This is the On The Banks podcast. Follow us on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation. Now, here's your host, Aaron Brightman. Welcome to episode 127 of the On The Banks podcast. I'm your host and managing editor, Aaron Brightman. Thanks so much for joining us once again. Lots to cover in this episode here on the second week of February and the morning after Rutgers Men's basketball, an improbable comeback victory over number 16 Ohio State on Wednesday night, trailing by eight points with 3.48 to go. They end the game on a 10-0 run, five block shots over the last two-plus minutes, uh, holding uh, the Buckeyes to zero points, zero midfield goals, and a heroic effort yet again by Geo Baker, eight points and an assist, including a block shot on the final play where Ohio State's Justin Aarons had a three-point attempt and and Gio got fingertips on the ball and uh, the game was over. Really uh, just an amazing win for this team. Back-to-back ranked wins for the first time in program history since 2008. The uh, fourth quad one victory of the season for Rutgers, now four and three in quad one opportunities. And they've literally gone in the last week after these two wins um, that devastating uh, one-point overtime loss at Northwestern, not even being on the NIT bubble projections uh, that were made last week to now being uh, back, well, I shouldn't say back, but now on the NCAA bubble in contention for March Madness. Um, Andy Katz of uh, NCAA.com and BTN uh, was pretty adamant about that even before the win uh, after Michigan State, but then after last night's win, um, really boasting their chances. And, and, and really, the next six games are all against quad one opponents. So it's the opportunity that exists. Rutgers is two for two now in this eight-game stretch against quad one opponents. Um, obviously, both were at home Saturday, much more difficult in the sense of on the road, where Rutgers has always uh, consistently struggled over the years. Um, although they already do have two road wins this season, um, they, they've squandered some opportunities as well. But um, winning at uh, number 13, Wisconsin, obviously, will be a very tall task. Never won in Madison before. But at the same time, I mean, this has been such a roller coaster season. Who are we to doubt and say and even know what this team can do game to game? So I think that, you know, even if they obviously, uh, you know, aren't expected to win on saturday then you're right back at the rack next week with illinois another top 15 ranked team team that beat them by embarrassed them by 30 points earlier in the season Um, but a team Rutgers beat last year at the rack comes to piscataway next week with yet again another golden opportunity to earn a q1 victory so listen the bubble is still evolving this season still has a month to go, but the bottom line is Rutgers is in contention. They're eight and five in the Big Ten, and they uh, sit in, uh, firmly in the top half of the league. And, I, and, and as much as net rankings matter, they're now 91 in the net rankings that came out on Thursday. You know, I'm just a firm believer, and if this team finishes with a winning record in Big Ten play, 11 wins at a minimum, and finishes in the top six, even even seventh in the Big Ten. In a year where leagues like the ACC are way down, I don't know how the Big Ten's not going to get all their teams with winning records into the NCAA tournament. And I I think as, as important as the net is with the selection committee, I just focus on that. And if you look at it that way, Rutgers needs three more regular season wins with seven to play to get to that 11 win mark. Obviously, 12 would put them in even firmer position, and then you have the Big Ten tournament. But what was uh, a pipe dream a month ago after the uh, incredibly disappointing start in November has now turned around significantly. They're certainly not over the hill yet. Lots of work to be done. But I think they're at the point where they, they can start to see the top of the hill. And I, I think they're getting there. And the leadership of, of Geo Baker, Ron Harper Jr., the evolution of this team with the development of Paul Mulcahy, Cliff Omoroyi. And the bench play at times of Dean Reber, Mawat Mag, and and Andre Hyatt. This team has the tools. Caleb McConnell with the the, the block of you know <laughs> the century, whatever you may call it. Uh, I wrote about that this uh, this morning. I also have um, an article on Geo Baker's uh, historic performance and his legacy and and what it means to this program. Um, you know all, all of their contributions. This team is is believe it or not as a veteran team. They're still coming together. They're still evolving. They're still gelling. And if the uh, results of the past few weeks are, are any indication, you know, the best very well could be yet to come. Moving on, lots to cover within Rutgers Athletics. Wanted to, to also mention the passing of former Athletic Director Bob Mulcahy, who sadly passed away on Monday at the age of 85. His legacy, of course, um, hiring Greg shiano to take over the football program two decades ago, uh, the expansion of the football stadium. Uh, also an underrated hire, Scott of uh, 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 hiring him to run the wrestling program towards the end of his tenure as athletic director. And also the hiring of Glenn Crooks uh, for women's soccer really paved the way for the emergence and, and um, the most successful program in the athletic department over really the last decade plus. Crooks, you know, really uh, made women's soccer a winner hired Mike O'Neill and really mentored him. The current head coach who's now taken Rutgers women's soccer to two college cups over the last six years. So Mulcahy's influence um, also in the state of New Jersey and his career uh, Rutgers Hall of Famer, New Jersey Hall of Famer. Uh, and may he rest in peace and always be remembered fondly. The Super Bowl Sunday, this weekend Rutgers represented once again on both sides, Sebastian Joseph, for the Los Angeles Rams. He's been injured, but hopefully will play. Uh, there's been hopes that he would come back in the playoffs, and th- there is a chance he'll play on Sunday. And then journeyman Clark Harris, 14th year in the league, long snapper for the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, quite a story for him. Former All Big East player as a tight end for Rutgers, and really has just um, you know become a, a just an unbelievable uh, career for him. And uh, great to see him have this opportunity so late in his career now. Um, So obviously, it will be fun to watch Super Bowl and and see how both of those former Rutgers players perform. Then you have wrestling heading down the stretch. Obviously, a disappointing defeat to Ohio State this past weekend. Um, But, you know, they have Maryland still and then the Big Ten tournament. And then obviously the NCAA championships uh, coming up in the next month. Plus, Uh, still a ton of talent on this team. Uh, They've gone through some injuries, some setbacks, uh, but really excited to see what Scott Cadell's team can do in the next month in tournament play, both in the Big Ten and uh, at the NCAA Championships. Gymnastics, tremendous performance this past weekend. They were in a tri-meet with number one team in the country, Michigan, who is really just a cut above everyone else in the sport right now. But Rutgers produced one of their, their best top 10 scores in program history. Bel Wang was uh, uh, honored again by the Big Ten for her performance this past week. Uh, And and this program just continues to to progress under fourth-year head coach Ume Salim Beasley, who we had on the podcast uh, uh, last month. And uh, it's really been exciting to see them take off track and field team that we haven't talked about a lot, but uh, I covered this week and just wanted to mention they continue to to make uh, progress under Bob Farrell who uh, had been with the program for, for some time, but was elevated by Pat Hobbs in the last year. They set 22 personal records. They won two uh, events at the Mayo Invitational and set five uh, program records, which really is you know unbelievable for them to be able to uh, make the progress they are in, in such a short time uh, with uh, Big Ten championships coming up. Uh, and really the, the star has been freshman distance runner Alex Carlson, who's now set three school records um, and set a new one in the 3000 meter has the mile record. And then was on the uh, distance medley relay team that set the program record, both records that were 19 years old. So that that's another program that I think doesn't get enough attention that is obviously making progress. Men's lacrosse uh, is now two and zero on the young season with wins over LIU and Marist. So that is uh, obviously a promising start for them. And they take on St. John's this weekend on the road. Brian Breck's team uh, looking, obviously, to repeat from last year in terms of making the NCAA tournament and potentially going even farther than the quarterfinals. Uh, we had him on last week, and you can catch that, you know, in our archives, wherever you you get your podcast. But today's episode is to preview and focus on women's lacrosse after a historic campaign last year under uh, second year head coach Melissa Lehman, now entering her third season. Um, having led Rutgers to its first ever NCAA tournament victory. Also some significant first-time wins in uh, Big Ten play over Johns Hopkins. And now preseason pick to finish third out of a 17 Big Ten conference in the preseason rankings at number 16 and number 17, depending on the poll you're looking at. Three best players uh, in the program are back. T.T. Neslonski back for a fifth year uh, due to the extra year of eligibility with COVID. And then two All-Americans and Cassidy Spillis and Megan Ball. This team is still young overall and a ton of potential. And I think, you know, really of all the progress that Rutgers teams made in 2021, I think women's lacrosse was uh, the most surprising. Um, And also, you know, I think the most encouraging just in terms of what Lehman's been able to do in such a short time turning this program around. And the future is certainly bright for Rutgers women's lacrosse. And to talk more about the program, and the season ahead, we welcome in head coach, Melissa Lehman. It's now my pleasure to welcome back to the On the Banks podcast, Rutgers women's lacrosse head coach, Melissa Lehman, after a tremendous season on the banks last season, about to start the 2022 season opener this Saturday in Delaware on February 12th. Coach Lehman, thanks so much for being back.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Aaron. Very, very excited for this season.
0: So. Talking about last season, obviously unprecedented success uh, in terms of your wins in the Big Ten, uh, beating programs that Rutgers has never beaten before, and then obviously the first ever NCAA tournament victory in program history, a veteran team back. What has this offseason been like and and in terms of the work put in to build off of what was accomplished last season?
1: Yeah, I mean, building off of a historic season, um, definitely was exciting because our players were hungry. They got a taste of what it felt like to compete with the best teams in the country. And so to stay relevant and stay at the top and to be able to have wins and be in those types of games that we were in last year, you need to continue to raise the bar every day of practice. And so it has been great having some veteran leadership back with Marin Hartshorn and Titina Nislonski, both returning captains and um, just the experience they have to set set the bar high for this team. And so we talk a lot about our expectations, what it looks like to be a championship team at practice every day, and so um, we're just excited to to get back going this year. It's been awesome to be with the team in a more normal situation this year at practices, um, and they're they're fired up. They're hungry to get going and get get another shot, um, you know, at working towards our goals of competing and, and winning and winning championships.
0: And talking about the roster, uh, you mentioned TT Deslonsky and Marin Hartshorne your captains. How important has their experience both prior to you coming to Rutgers? Um, and, and being, you know, with the program prior to that, what they went through um, and then now, you know, really helping lead your culture and the change, the positive change that you've had uh, in the program the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's when I got here, it was a really great marriage of what my vision was for this program. And just pulling out of each of those players, what I knew was there, the fire, the desire, the pride to compete for Rutgers. The, the school and the pride of New Jersey. And that's what we talk about a lot. And to have those players who signed up because they love Rutgers so much, that passion speaks for itself and just really elevates this whole program and to have those players see what hard work um, and trust and what they've put in, you know, over the last two years start to pay off. There's just a strong sense of belief in the direction of where this program's growing. I'm super proud of their leadership and, um, you know, what they've brought to this team. And i excited for them to, you know, once again, lead us in the 22 season.
0: And obviously, in terms of, uh, you know, two uh, extremely important players of this team, Cassidy Spillis and Megan Ball, both returning first team, all Big Ten players, both preseason All-Americans how has their development been both from last season through the off season and and how much of a step do you expect them to make this season?
1: Yeah. I mean, the two of them are competitors. You just see them, day in and day out on game day, you know, they're going to bring it, but they do exactly that at practice and they have since their freshman year. So what special players they are. Um, so we are excited for them, but now they're juniors and they're experienced players. And we, you know, will be looking to them to, to lead in so many more ways this year and be more vocal captains. And, um, they're the players that rise up when, when the game is on the line and you know, you can count on them and I'm excited. Um, You know, they they are really doing a great job leading some of the units. That they are in charge of, um, you know, Cassidy and Meg being on the draw team is huge for us. And um, Meg just really focusing on the defensive side; she's been a huge um, part of the development I've seen in this off season on that side of the ball. So um, I'm loving what I'm seeing from the two of them. Um, and I know they'd be the first to tell you it's the, her, the teammates that make them look good. But um, you know, they just bring that competitiveness um, that our whole team feeds off of.
0: And talking about some other key players returning, um, Jenna Byrne and Ashley Campo uh, both had really good seasons last year and, and kind of took that next step in their development. How do you expect them to contribute this year moving forward?
1: Yeah, again, two other juniors that I think are ready to to really solidify themselves as staple players um, out there, game in and game out. Jenna Byrne, I've been very impressed with her this fall and um, the way she is... Um, commanding herself on the offensive side of the ball. She's a dynamic threat. She's playing with a lot of speed, a lot of confidence, adding different tools in her arsenal. So excited to see what she does um, because she's playing at a high level right now. And Ashley Campo, you know, she's, she's a glue player for us and someone that we are looking for to produce more, but she also produces in those intangible ways, the hustle plays. She makes the right, cuts on offense to open up space for her teammates. So she's kind of that glue player that we'll continue to rely on. Um, And I know, you know, she's excited for this junior year.
0: One thing that sticks out to me about the roster is you're extremely balanced from class to class. You have about eight to 10 players in each class um, with such a veteran core returning. Um, How challenging is it to also have, you know, the younger players step up and have time to develop? And who has kind of stuck out to you in terms of players ready to take that next step this season?
1: Yeah, I think that... Um, We definitely have a lot of experience, but one of the ways that we play and we like to coach is it's about team chemistry and it's about creativity and understanding each other's strengths. And, um, you know, when you only have a certain amount of spots, you have to find, you know, who's going to be able to go in and give us a spark when we need it. And what is that strength of theirs? And so definitely looking to play more players this year and give more time to give us a new look, um, play faster in different ways. And I've been really excited. Excited to see some of our freshmen come along. Emily Clothier, she's a midfielder from New Jersey. Um, she is definitely someone with a lot of athleticism that I'm excited um, for Rutgers fans to, to see this year. Um, Maddie Carp is a freshman defender who's playing pretty confidently, very athletic. Um, and then we've seen, we've moved positions around a little bit. You know, I think we are heavy on the attack side with players that have played, um, and had significant minutes. And so moving, um, uh, Michaela Dever to a more of a midfield role that she can give us good minutes on both sides of the ball. Um, she's been playing well. So I'm um, excited about that as well as, um, you know, we have a, a junior who hasn't, played a ton, but Janie Galski, she's also a junior from New Jersey, just really um, developing nice chemistry with a lot of our feeders out there. So it's exciting. You know, I'm I'm seeing a lot of their strengths and I want them to continue to take risks and make things happen because we're stronger with more of us contributing.
0: And last question on the roster, just um, Sophia Cardello, you know, as a true freshman last year, uh, really stepped up in goal towards the end of the season, uh, started the last seven games of the year. How has her development gone and, and what do you expect from her in terms of this season?
1: Yeah, I mean, last year she had an unbelievable freshman year. She ta- being tasked as a freshman goalkeeper in only Big Ten games is not easy to do. And she came up just huge for us in Many of our wins, including the Penn State and Maryland wins. So, I mean, what she was able to learn as a freshman, um, the confidence she gained, she brought that in from day one, stepping back on campus. And so very excited about her presence, what she brings to this team. She's a calming presence and she's playing at a high level right now. So we are excited to have her anchor this defensive unit.
0: So switching gears a little bit in terms of schedule, obviously, last year didn't have a non-conference schedule due to COVID. How challenging and I guess beneficial in terms of the way you finished out the season winning four of your last six was that league only schedule and I guess what was the biggest takeaway for this team now coming into this year where it's uh, obviously a more traditional schedule
1: um well we learned a lot last year in so many ways um the big 10 schedule was a challenge but I feel the biggest takeaway our team had was we had to learn to be ready to compete every game, day in and day out. And you couldn't relax against any opponent. And so, um, especially last year with such a young um, lineup, you know, we had so many sophomores out there playing and um, that got their, had their freshman season cut short. Um, They, they had to learn very quickly what it took to compete at a high level. And so I, I would think that is the number one thing. Um, and we grew, you know, they early in the season, we had some games where we didn't start strong, and we had to fight and we had to claw our way back and come out with some wins. Um, and so it was about learning to compete and to fight. And I'm excited. You know, that's something that from game one, this is something we talk about. Those are the things we can control our mentality, how we compete the effort we bring, and we're always going to fight for each other.
0: And in terms of the non-conference schedule, you know, you obviously have a lot of local games to start. Uh, You also have three games in the first week of the season with Delaware, Army, and Georgetown. Um, But you also have some West Coast teams on there too. Um, Just talk about your philosophy with non-conference schedule and kind of how you know, teams like Arizona State, San Diego State are coming to Piscataway. How did how did that kind of shape up?
1: Yeah, well, I'm excited to play different teams. You know, I think that even some of the more local teams are newer ads. Like we haven't really played West Point um in in a year of competition. Um, haven't played Georgetown in a while since the Big East days. So um it was kind of getting some some new um new teams to help us prepare. For different styles. Um, In terms of the West Coast, I know that. Um, They like to fly east and play multiple teams. And um, similarly, I know that they play a different style. They play, you know, their coaches are very smart and strong. And, um, you know, the Pac-12 out there, they're playing each other a lot. And so to kind of break into that, especially with um, Arizona State, I think is a big up and coming team um, on the rise. So um, excited for that competition um, to see what we can do against teams that we haven't traditionally played. I'm really excited to play San Diego state former alum player here. Julia Lytle is taking her fifth year at San Diego state. So she will be returning home. And I know she's very excited for that. So she'll have some fans here when she returns to New Jersey. So that'll be exciting day um, for us to see her again.
0: And uh, I don't know if it was a a coincidence or not, but the way your schedule shapes up is you have Two ranked foes right now uh, in the non-conference schedule going right into back-to-back-to-back uh, to back to back ranked foes in the Big Ten. Starting in basically the month of March, you have Temple and uh, James Madison on the road, and then uh, Maryland as well on the road, then Johns Hopkins and Michigan at home. How challenging is that, Slate? I know you like to take it one game at a time, but um, in terms of, I guess, the development of this team, having such a challenging you know group of games in a row, how can that help develop this team for the postseason?
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's where you grow, and that's where you figure out, um, you know, how tough your team needs to be. They need to be mentally ready for the next, depending on what happens from game to game. And so, um, you know, I think when you think about the Big Ten championships and the NCAA tournament, you have to be ready to play back to back ranked opponents and high level teams. And so, to be able to have that practice um, you know, in the middle of our season, I think just helps you, it helps you prepare, um, for future. And that's where you learn and grow a lot as a program.
0: So skipping ahead a little bit, I know, obviously, uh, don't want to look ahead, but Rutgers hosting the big 10 tournament this year, um, that first week of May, how excited are you for the program to have that spotlight on them? And also the opportunity obviously to play in your conference tournament on your home field.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's an exciting time for Rutgers lacrosse in general. And so to have this year be able to host the Big Tens here, like the team is fired up. We're excited. Um, We want to, you know, blow it out of the water in terms of getting excitement in the state um, with a lot of fan attendance. And so that's a huge goal of ours. And Um, I, you know, I think it's a driver. It's an extra motivator when you know you can compete on your home turf for a championship like that is driving our team. And, um, you know, I think it's it's about putting in the work now so that um, we can be in the position to be competing on our home turf for the championships. And so that has driven this team throughout the entire fall. Um, and we're just excited, um, you know, the top four teams in the conference go. So that's added extra, extra motivation for us to compete and be ready, um, to make some noise.
0: And how excited is the team to have fans back this season? And, um, I guess you had mentioned, you know, trying to build excitement, um, you know, how excited are you just to be able to have, you know, other, uh, other programs across the state, be able to attend.
1: Yeah, it's huge. I mean, first of all, we have um, a great following in terms of our parents. So I'd like to shout them out first and what they did last year, even when they couldn't be in the stands, we felt their support. Um, but we know we're going to hear them and feel them in SHI here, which is excited with 10 home games that we get this season. Um, you know, it's about getting the Rutgers lacrosse name out there for more people in the state. My vision taking this program over was, to create Rutgers as the um, lacrosse destination for um, to be the role models for the young girls that are coming up through the pipeline and looking um, towards the college player. We want them to see the Rutgers players, to meet them and to be engaged with us. And so um, that's a huge um, goal of ours with our marketing team this season is making sure that we can generate that buzz and draw a a bigger crowd, um, to, to, um, Piscataway this year.
0: And a couple more for you coach in terms of, um, you know, building that name across the state, you know, how much has Rutgers athletics success, um, in multiple sports helped? How exciting has it been to be part of that turnaround as an athletic department? Um, and, and what has the camaraderie been across, you know, the entire department with other programs, other coaches and the players?
1: Yeah, I mean, last spring was so exciting with all of the teams competing at one one time together and seeing how strong the teams were, what accomplishments um, across the different programs, whether it was men's lacrosse, you had women's golf, um, everyone was playing at the top of their game. And to have that followed up with the tremendous seasons we've seen um, with women's soccer and field hockey um, this fall, I mean... It, the buzz is great. The athletes are on board and supporting and getting fired up for one another. And that just creates a culture um, of the hard work, of the winning, of the su- success. Um, and it, it's a great time to be at Rutgers right now. And so, um, you know, I think that's what drew me here. You come here, you talk to the people that are here. It's evident that these pro- programs are on the rise. Um, people are fully invested in what we're doing. Um, and I'm excited for us um, to, to start this 22 season and um, just get back to work right where we were last year.
0: So last question for you, um, preseason picked uh, to finish third in the Big Ten, which would be program best preseason in the polls, uh, national polls, number 16 and number 17, respectively. How has it been in terms of teaching this team how to deal with increased expectations? And what does uh, this team ultimately need to do? to be able to meet or exceed those expectations this season?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, first of all, getting that recognition is great for Rutgers. I am so excited for this program and, um, you know, what we accomplished last year and what's possible this year. But ultimately, it's it's about what you can control. And you can't control where you are in the polls. Um, you can control your mentality on game day. You can control how you approach every game and every opponent. You also can control how you work together and support each other. And so um, that's really what it's about. And. The, the teams that are there late in the season are the ones that learn to be consistent and they play a certain way. And, you know, we want to be a team that plays together, that fights, and that is always going to compete.
0: Rutgers women's lacrosse head coach, Melissa Lehman. Thank you so much for being here again. Appreciate all your insight and uh, very excited to follow this team uh, once again this spring and best of luck to you.
1: All right. Thank you. Go you.
0: Thanks so much to coach Lehman for joining us once again. It's always great to talk to her about her program and the outlook. Ahead for this team. Really exciting season ahead, I think, for them. And uh, looking forward to the progress that they're going to make. Uh, and, and really, you know, the noise that they can make in the Big Ten back to a normal schedule. Non-conference is, uh, you know, there. And then obviously playing each Big Ten team once. Really excited to follow them throughout the season. again, on thebanks.com, all of our coverage of Rutgers athletics. Uh, we have uh, coverage of every sport right now. In terms of of what's relevant in the season, winter sports, spring sports starting up. We'll have head coach, head baseball coach Steve Owens on the podcast next week, something to look forward to. And uh, obviously focusing on men's basketball shortly as well here on the podcast as the stretch run to March Madness is full bore right now with about four weeks left in the regular season. You can follow all of our podcasts wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Spotify wherever, and on on the banks.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at OTB underscore SB nation. And thank you for joining us once again, here at on the banks, follow on the banks on Twitter at OTB underscore SB nation, and subscribe to us on Apple podcasts. Just search on the banks podcast.